the rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. Welcome to Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. Once again, I'm your host, Reed Lutanen, Executive Director of the U.S. Faster Payments Council, and just general person about town and payments. I'm really excited to have Ross McFerrin from Trustly joining us to talk about faster payments, open banking, and the definition of barbecue. But before we get to that, let's hit some headlines. The big headline right now is that the FPC fall member meeting is just around the corner. That will be held virtually September 13th, 14th, and 15th. We'll have speakers from the Fed, the Clearinghouse, MasterCard, Target, Netflix, big banks, community banks, credit unions, technology providers, consumer advocates, the list goes on and on. I should also take a moment to thank our event sponsors. ACI Worldwide, BNY Mellon, Finsley, MasterCard, MindGate Solutions, Nietzsche, North American Banking Company, PSCU, Shazam, the Clearinghouse, and Trustly. We're certainly fortunate to have such a list of sponsors. You don't get this kind of focused expert program anywhere else. As always, the event is free for members. You can register by heading over to FasterPaymentsCouncil.org. Our workgroup efforts also continue to be in full swing, with new efforts being launched soon on cross-border faster payments, directory models, and fraud. If you're a member, the ability to participate in these workgroups is included in that membership. And if you're not a member, you're welcome to join. Just head over to FasterPaymentsCouncil.org and apply. And with that, let's turn to the main event for this month's podcast, a conversation with Ross McFerrin of Trustly. Let's get to it. All right, we are joined by Ross McFerrin from Trustly. Ross, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Excited to have this conversation with you. Reed, great to join you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, you know, I want to just get into it because I know we don't have a lot of time as people are, nobody has a commute anymore. So we're, uh, we're, we're pressed for time uh, on podcasts these days. But, um, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to start talking with you about is getting into open banking. But I wanted to start by sort of zooming out a little bit and talking about just all the different alternative payment methods that are out there that are, you know, really proliferating in the market. Buy now, pay later and different wallets and different pays. And, and then obviously open banking plays a role in that as well. So, you know, how do you think about all those things? And as a corporate, you know, how do you think they should be thinking about some of that stuff? Yeah, I think it's an awesome question. I mean, frankly, consumers want choice. Uh, merchants want high conversion. So what, what, cons- what matters to consumers more than anything is they want convenience. They want a frictionless experience. They want it to be easy to make a payment. And if they can have flexibility at the same time in terms of, when they when they actually need to pay, that matters to them as well. So thinking about what a merchant, what a corporate needs to be considering as they look at alternative payment methods, it comes down to, to cost. The cost can vary greatly uh, depending on the method of payment that they're looking at. User experience matters uh, and, and can vary quite a bit from payment method to payment method. Uh, They also need to be thinking about the ubiquity of that method of payment. What's the reach? Does the consumer need to create a profile or do they need to apply for an account first? Or do they already have the means to pay through that method of payment? They just haven't perhaps done it yet. 
Um, also important is what's the adoption going to be on their site uh, or or with their use case. So does that does that method of payment drive high interest with the with the consumer, uh, ultimately driving high utilization? Um, because that matters too. When when you think about the ability to support the that merchant's type of transactions, that's really important too. So does does the merchant have high dollar transactions that they're processing? And if so, that may limit the types of payments that they could accept. Um, a fifty thousand dollar purchase uh, on eBay may not get up, uh, get approved by your credit card. So it's important to be thinking about what what the specific use cases are, what the ticket is, what the costs are, what the consumer experience is. Um, I, I spend a lot of time talking with merchants and you've got some that have NASCAR-like payment lineups uh, where they've got every method of payment under the sun. Uh, and that's because they wanna offer flexibility. They wanna offer choice to the consumer. You've got others who maybe, maybe only have one or two methods of payment. Uh, and that's because they want it to be simple. Um, and take the thinking out of out of it for the consumer. So it all just really comes down to what's most critical to the merchant. Um, but I think cost cost and customer experience both both matter quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're seeing just a lot more conversation about, especially on the customer and consumer and user, more broadly, user experience uh, around how do you make some of this stuff actually work, right? So you have the rails, you have the infrastructure built, but then getting into how do you make things actually operate and make it easy for people to actually cause transactions to flow over this infrastructure that's being built, right? So uh, creating those experiences, and there's a lot of fascinating discussion now, and it has been for quite some time now worldwide around open banking. And then we hear a lot about PSD2 in Europe. So I was hoping we could dig into that a bit and hear, you know, talk about how, how does the US compare to what's going on in other markets in terms of open banking? Yeah, so the U.S. is so far behind, uh, but it has the opportunity to quickly catch up. Uh, so while PSD2 has really paved the way for open banking and other geos, um, what, what I think a lot of people don't understand is there are so many nuances associated with uh, and so many challenges still associated with PSD2. Um, a lot of banks have really tried to resist as much as they can, uh, having to create their own APIs for consumption by other parties. Uh, and what, what also adds to the complication in Europe is you've got nuances at the bank level, you've got nuances at the country level, uh, at the bank rail level. So factoring, factoring all of that in and thinking in terms of where, where how things could play out uh, in the U.S., a lot is gonna need to uh, occur. You've got perhaps the top 10 banks or several within the top 10 who have published their own data access APIs. Um, that's, that's the starting point. And that's where you know 40% or so of US consumers are banked today. But addressing the long tail, you get another 9,000 plus financial institutions who certainly don't have the resources um, at, at the ready to publish their own APIs. So that's gonna take a huge amount of work. Now, that said, um, with the executive order that President Biden signed just, uh, gosh, July, beginning of July, that paves the way for 
a, a more open banking landscape in the US. Uh, you've also got our neighbors to the north in Canada um, who have put a stake in the ground uh, with a focus on having open banking um, infrastructure in place by 2023. So clearly things are trending in the right direction. A lot needs to happen between now and then. Um, but what it ultimately allows for is this convergence of open banking and all of the trends around real-time payments to really come together in a timely manner, which can, which can create an opportunity to hugely disrupt uh, the payments, uh, the, the payment landscape in the U.S. and in Canada. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think it's just, it's hard to sort of put size to how big of a change that can be and how much it can unlock for, for folks who are trying to use payments in different creative ways. And I, I'm a big proponent of the belief that um, what's happening in payments and what you're talking about here can really not only make existing use cases and flows more efficient, but also I, I really think there are businesses that don't that could could begin existing that different types of businesses can be successful once payments are, are made even even more efficient in various ways. So um, I totally agree there. And I, you, you kind of talked about how the future could be uh, once you do a little prognosticating on where we're heading and what's really going to happen in the future. Yeah, well, the you, you already said the word, the magic word, which is efficiency. And I think that's what so many merchants, so many billers, um, all of the focus around real-time payments is really due to efficiency, uh, de-risking a payment. So you're going to see a huge amount of interest and a lot of investment in RTP, in FedNow, with that as the primary driver. Um, kind of getting behind the, the business case for no, uh, so irrevocability on the transaction, elimination of settlement risk is so key. And that's the, that's the major value driver behind RTP. Um, so I think that's, what's really going to drive the trending. And I think as some of these things come to fruition and develop over time, it, it begins to become perhaps a question of what rails do I use? And you talked about there being, you know, different different use cases out there, and potentially then different reasons why you might want to use a different rail, whether it's FedNow or RTP or maybe push to card for some things or same day ACH. So there's all these different methods of faster payments out there. And so, you know, what, how do you think about open banking fitting into that decisioning? That's that's something that Trustly is um, incredibly focused on. And it's really guiding our global strategy right now. Um, you've got different different payment types that are going to be hugely reliant still on standard ACH. Think about direct debit. Think about recurring payments. A lot of those are not going to be ready to go in a real time uh, or a FedNow type of uh, infrastructure, at least not out of the gate. So what open banking um, will allow, though, is to through, through a redirect or through the through a deeper bank integration offer that smooth payment experience a credit transfer out of a consumer's account um, I think what we're going to see is a lot of check writing uh, a lot of check check issuance is going to go away um, a lot of wire payments should disappear and be replaced with RTP um, but you're still going to have a need for um, for a variety of rails, at least in the short term, until you find um, interoperability uh, and until you address 
the the direct debit or the recurring um, use cases that are going to be um, pretty critical. But to to build on that though, you've got you've got some some gaps right now in RTP uh, and FedNow. The while irrevocability sounds great on the surface, the the challenge that that then creates is what happens when fraud occurs? Whose responsibility is it? Does that sit with the merchant? Does, does the bank have any involvement or are they free and clear? Um, it exposes consumers more. And um, that's, that's certainly not something that a merchant wants to fully embrace is a full fraud uh, shift in liability onto a consumer um, if they know that uh, consumers have rights with other methods of payment. Um, and their customers are protected. So until that is addressed, I think you're going to see other payment rails um, be more, more readily embraced, if you will, by merchants, by pillars. Yeah, and I think that's a critical conversation that we need to be having as, a, as an ecosystem, right? Because it, it, it really is, it's relevant, not just to the consumers and not just to the merchants, but to everybody in between who is trying to bring to market these, you know, wonderful, efficient, uh, faster and instant payment systems. But um, if you're, if you're not having those discussions about, well, how does this, how, what are the follow on effects of some of these choices that are being made? And how do we make sure that everybody understands what's happening uh, when they initiate a transaction? Um, you know, just as, just as you're not going to get adoption without creating a, an interface of some sort for a consumer or a user to, to interact with to cause a transaction to flow, you know, um, having all that stuff isn't going to cause people to do it if if they don't know what they're doing and and what's what the you know what the potential ramifications are, right? Right. Yeah, the way that we are trying to address it right now, we've we collaborate really closely with banks as a bank-based method of payment. So understanding um, and embracing RTP because it brings tremendous efficiencies to us as well, we've, we've recognized that as a pretty material gap. So by establishing deeper uh, integrations with banks uh, and creating an easier way to manage feedback loop, to manage uh, disputes and provide a better way for merchants, consumers, and banks to have resolution on a payment in the event of fraud, so critical. And I think it could also help to eliminate a lot of what was what was right. thought so to be- Somebody doesn't recognize the transaction that. because they, they don't know what it's gonna look like on their bank statement. Um, they, they think it's fraud, but it turns out it was really something they or yeah, some other exactly. authorized user on the account did. Yeah. Right. You got it. Just happens all the time. It or it was their um, child or shifting a little bit into looking out into the future at the end state, specifically for instant payments. Um, you know, we've got RTP in the market today, and they're they're adding financial institutions at a pretty good clip to their network. Uh, I think they're up well over seventy percent of the DDAs you can reach at least for receive on the RTP network. Uh, you've got FedNow uh, in their pilot phases right now looking to be in production and you know we think about it as being a long time off 2023 is only about a not even a year and a half from now um if they're in the first half of 2023 anyway um so what's going to happen there is there room for both of them to to succeed in that space you know you hear i think too often 
in, in really every market, but I think too often, especially in payments, you always hear who's going to win, who's going to be the one that comes out on top. Um, is that even, is that the right way to be thinking about this? Yeah. And, and the analogy that I've heard is, could this be like a Blu-ray and an HD DVD um, type of scenario where one is going to win? So you're right. Uh, I think there's room for both. Uh, so in my opinion, it's going to be really fascinating to see both um, work alongside one another. The, the eventual state is they're going to need to be interoperable. Um, they both deliver a similar value to the market, a similar payment flow. Um, they seem to be pursuing a different segment of banks. So at some point, I could see that the two could um, could merge or at least become interoperable with one another, which is going to deliver a huge amount. Yeah, of I, I to, think uh, you to know, our payment it's landscape. Not, certainly not my job to to pick a winner or a loser there, but I, I think you're right. I think there's there's value in there being choice in the marketplace. There's value in having redundancy in payments. We all we all know that that is the case with with all kinds of different payment flows. Diving in a little bit before we get into our games, one final question of this segment, what do you see as the priority use cases for instant payments? What are those ones that are really going to drive it? Or, or is that the wrong way to be thinking about it? Should we be thinking about it in ways other than what, what use cases are, are, gonna, are relevant there? So in the near term, I think we're going to see a lot of shift uh, or a lot of leveraging of RTP for high value payments. You're gonna see a lot of wire replacement. Um, think about things like down payments on houses and cars, um, deposits made uh, for an apartment, things like that. I think you're gonna see a pretty dramatic shift toward that. Uh, a lot of treasury use cases and a lot of commercial payments could very easily shift to a, uh, a, a RTP type payment flow. You've got also, though in e-commerce, a lot of merchants who are lifting, looking to shift their payment volume from card with the rising interchange rates, this could be an efficient uh, and low risk means to accept payments. Uh, so what's, what's not to like about that, assuming that you can address some of the known gaps with RTP. So in my opinion, I think that's where the, where the near-term attention goes, as well as really any opportunity to displace check or standard ACH as a disbursement type. Um, any, any payee would prefer speed. Uh, so if speed can be delivered. That's going to be the preferred choice. Yeah. And especially removing time in between when the payor gives up the money and when the payee has the money, right? The, that lag in the middle is no good for either of them. Uh, all right, let's let's play a couple games here. First, we're going to start off with a game I like to call buy or sell. So I'm going to give you some propositions and you're going to tell me whether you buy or sell and then uh, why. So starting off with even more than the rails that connect all the accounts, the experiences that are layered on top will define what faster payments really are. That's a buy for me. Um, it, so it's not as easy as just building a real-time payment rail. Customer experience matters. Dispute management, fraud prevention matters. Having a feedback loop, uh, messaging around the payment is critical. Uh, and it's important also to, uh, to support recurring and scheduled payments versus just the, the real-time, one-time payments. So I'm, I'm involved right now with a, with a faster payments work group, which is um, 
purely focused on real-time recurring payments. And I think that that's a significant barrier right now to full adoption around RTP. And if it can be solved, then you've got, um, you've got something really compelling. But look at that as something that's going to be really critical to uh, faster payments beyond what's in scope right now. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic work group. So anybody who's interested, I'll give a quick plug. If you're interested in that work group, definitely go over to fasterpaymentscouncil.org and you can get more information there or hit us up at member services at fasterpaymentscouncil.org and we'll get you connected. Whether if you're a member, you can join for sure. And if you're not a member, you can become a member and, and join. Uh, all right, next one, the development and implementation of payments APIs. I think we know the answer to this one from you. So the development and implementation of common or of payments APIs can unlock game-changing faster payments experiences. It, that's a buy from me. However, um, as I stated before, it's that's a lot easier said than done, um, just as we're witnessing across Europe. So having those um, consistent or common APIs will allow for um, for parties to deliver a efficient method of payment with a really great customer experience. But um, that that's that's not what we're seeing unfold right now in Europe. So Trustly is uniquely positioned uh, here, as we've got a huge amount of experience managing the different uh, the differences seen at the bank, the country, and the rail level. Um, so. I feel good about where we're at, but a lot is going to need to, to occur in the U.S. for um, for open banking and real-time payments to really come together in a clean way. Merchants don't need to be focused on faster payments yet. That's a sell for me. It's so important to be thinking about what's coming. So even if it isn't fully ready to go right now, in six months, in 12 months, I think we're going to see a, a pretty dramatic uh, amount of adoption on RTP. Um, so we're seeing merchants across all industries right now show interest in RTP um, and asking for the timing uh, when which we'll be able to support it. So still early, but I think I think this is going to be really exciting to watch. And merchants are absolutely paying attention, and they should be. I. Obviously, completely agree with you there. I the next one. A lot of folks might not know this about you, Ross, but I know you're a bit of a of a pit master um, when it comes to to barbecue. So if I, if I'm having a group of friends over, I'm going to grill some burgers and brats. That's that's barbecue, right? That's a barbecue. <laughs> that's that's a hard sell for me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. No, bar no barbecue is smoking meat. Not not getting out a. Um, not getting out some charcoal and, and grilling a burger, but my, uh, my company based in California has a different opinion. So I, I model everything that I cook uh, off of Texas barbecue. Oh, it's music to my ears. Uh, and the final buy or sell, the most important aspect of instant payments is the speed. Uh, to, to me, that's, a sell. I think what's what's the most critical aspect to instant payments, at least for the merchants that uh, that we're speaking to, the billers that we're speaking to, is the the elimination of settlement risk. So for those companies who are using traditional ACH as a direct debit, they're exposed to ACH returns like NSF administrative returns, frozen accounts, stop payments, 
and you lack a feedback loop. It can take a few days just to learn that, that a payment went bad. Whereas with, uh, with an instant payment, while speed is great, what you, what you really get out of this is instant feedback that the account was open, the funds were there, you're going to get paid. That's, in my opinion, more critical to these merchants. That's the end of buy or sell. You made it uh, to our lightning round where I'm going to ask you to answer these questions in 10 or fewer words. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily going to count, but, um, or buzz you, but, uh, you know, try not to go on and on Ross, uh, name one thing that people will be talking about in terms of instant payments two years from now. It's going to be recurring and scheduled payments, uh, as well as the applicability of real-time or instant payments in e-com. That's going to be the focus in two years. More annoying when you're out on the lake. Is it more annoying when you're, when you, when people are pulling kids on their tubes where you're trying to fish, or is it more annoying when people are trying to fish where you want to pull your kids on the tube? If somebody's tubing when I'm out fishing, um, then something's wrong. Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> The wrong time of day. Wrong time of yeah. day. Okay. Give me a use case that you think will become really big for instant payments in the next 12 to 18 months. I think it's treasury and, and commercial payment use cases, payment payouts and disbursements. That's low hanging fruit. That's already in process. Um, disbursements are going to eliminate. Uh, so disbursements through real time, I think it will eliminate a huge amount of the check and ACH volume in the near term. Agreed. Uh, and then finally, tell me something you think about in terms of faster payments that you think more people should be thinking about. The management and handling of fraud. So if the payments are irrevo irrevocable, how, how is that going to be addressed? That needs to be more top of mind for any merchant who's thinking about faster payments. Yeah, I'd, I'd say any merchant who's trying to think about it and also at financial institutions on the other end and folks in between as well, right? Yep. yep. Okay, final thought before we break. Anything you want to get across that you haven't had a chance to say? Yeah, some my final thought is I think we're still a little bit of in the wild west right now as it pertains to US open banking and real-time payments. But the next 12 months are going to be absolutely fascinating for any payment geek out there who's been waiting and waiting for this to happen. You heard it from Ross McFerrin. Thanks so much for joining us, Ross. Great. Thanks for having me. And a big thank you to Ross McFerrin from Trustly for joining us. Really, really interesting conversation. They're talking about all kinds of things around open banking, around the user experience, and then around fraud, which I think we all know is going to be a critical for us to continue to think about and to address going forward. Uh, don't forget... The FPC member meeting is coming up just around the corner, September 13th, 14th, 15th. You can register at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. Uh, lots of really, really excellent speakers going to be there to help everybody attending get up to speed on the latest and greatest in terms of faster payments. So look forward to uh, that event and look forward to seeing as many of you there, at least virtually in the chat and on screen as possible. Uh, and don't hesitate to check out other resources at fasterpaymentscouncil.org as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.